It's time to get up and get going, South Coast. It's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang. It's Tim Weisberg. Good morning. Happy Friday to you. Welcome into the the final day of this week's slate of programs. And of course, we've got a good one for you. We will have joining us in the 8 o'clock hour, New Bedford City Council President and Councilor at Large Brian Gomes. I'm sorry. New Bedford City Council President Linda Morad and Councilor at Large Brian Gomes. And we're going to talk more about the Star Store story. We're going to find out what happened in last night's council meeting in which... We know that Councillor Gomes had filed a motion seeking to have a meeting with all the stakeholders involved in this to try to figure out if there's a way to keep Star Store in New Bedford. I mean, well, keep the CVPA in the Star Store in New Bedford. And also last night was Councillor Naomi Carney's motion to put a question on the ballot for a charter review committee. So I'm sure there will be some interesting discussion around those items. They also, the council last night also um, voted to ask the licensing board to rescind the nip bottle ban. So we can discuss that as well. I think that that is something where, the, at the very least, people feel that the process is flawed and that it needs to have a little bit more strenuous of a process before something like that is enacted. As Councillor Burgo pointed out in, uh, I think it was the Standard Times story, it, 30 minutes of discussion was not enough. And there were people who wanted to have their comments heard that were not able to. So it, it warrants more discussion. And the council has talked about having its own hearing on the matter as well. So we can talk about all that more with the councillors a little bit later on. You heard Adam mention in the news that um, Senator Montigny has sent a letter to Governor Healy uh, looking to keep Star Store's CVPA campus uh, active for the future. And the thing is, is that the story just gets more and more frustrating the more information we find out about it. Where this is less about the state not funding it and more about UMass just not wanting it and not really being forthcoming about that. Jack Spillane has a great column today on the New Bedford Light website, newbedfordlight.org, and we'll talk more with him about it on Monday. But in that column, he seems to really place this at the feet of UMass President Marty Meehan. And I've been hearing behind the scenes that this is a Marty Meehan effort, maybe not directly, you know, maybe Marty Meehan didn't say out of his own mouth, I want the College of Visual and Performing Arts at UMass Dartmouth out of the Star Store building in New Bedford. But they're looking to cut back funding for a lot of these programs. And obviously that's one that has struggled with enrollment in recent years. So Senator Montigny has written this letter 
to the governor to try to get her assistance in trying to not only keep the classes going for the Star Store and to keep it in that building, but to follow through on the 20 years worth of legislation, actually more than that. This process started in 1996, so over 25 years. All of those years spent filing legislation, getting these laws enacted, getting budget appropriations for it, and getting it to the point where he thought, and, and, and many involved thought, that the Commonwealth would be buying the building for a dollar, and that they would own it, and it would be the CVPA for UMass Dartmouth in perpetuity. So in this letter to Governor Healy, and you can read more about it and see the letter in its entirety at WBSM.com and on the app. This is a direct quote from Senator Montigny's letter to the governor. The university has failed to meet its responsibility to, se to secure and maintain the building. Through a series of direct communications and meetings with state agencies and officials over the past several years, it has become apparent that these public resources have either been squandered and or exploited. This is evidenced by a building in significant disrepair despite tens of millions of taxpayer dollars invested into it with zero accountability to date. Additionally, students have told me directly that the university has failed in recent years to provide proper upkeep of their facilities and have even failed to provide the necessary faculty to support their academic programming. We learned that the university failed to fund a required capital reserve account over the life of their lease, further complicating the matter. So basically, UMass Dartmouth was gifted this building for the CVPA, and really that's, that's what it is. It's a gift. And I didn't know this aspect of it. Um, I found out about this through Senator Montigny's letter here, and I don't know if it's just because some of our previous reporting that I read on it didn't state this or if I just missed it, if it did. But I didn't realize uh, that when Mr. Downey got the building from the city's redevelopment authority that he only paid $1 for it. Because I was saying, you know, why would somebody who bought a building and spent all those years having it, you know, under their stewardship, why would they want to sell it for a dollar? Why would they have agreed to that in the contract? Well, it's because he got it for a dollar. And he was getting paid over $2 million a year for the use of that building. But it was apparently UMass Dartmouth's responsibility to maintain and upkeep the building, which is, you know, if you rent a home, there's, there's an interesting line that happens between you and your landlord. What are you responsible for paying for and maintaining? And what is the landlord responsible for? And a lot of times leases lay that out very, very uh, directly. Other times, it's a, it's a conversation. You know, I, I had a landlord for about 17 years, and we had good communication with each other. If something went wrong, he, I mean, he would tell me if I bought batteries to put in the uh, smoke detector to take it out of the rent. I realize not every, every landlord is like that, but I, I look at it as, you know, there are certain things that are my responsibility, certain things that are your responsibility. If, uh, if a tree crashes into the roof, you better get that roof fixed quickly. 
But if I need to mow the lawn and I need to go buy a lawnmower to do it, well, that's on my responsibility. It says in the lease that I'm responsible for the upkeep of the property, of the, of the landscaping of the property. So I don't know what the lease agreement was between Mr. Downey and the Commonwealth slash UMass Dartmouth for the, for the upkeep of that building, but Senator Montigny would know. And in his letter, he's saying that the university failed to meet its responsibility not to meet a responsibility, not to meet the responsibility, fail to meet its responsibility to secure and maintain the building. So he throws DCAM under the bus a little bit too as well for not purchasing it for a dollar when the time came to do so. And, you know, as we learn, you know, Mr. Downey does not want to sell it for a dollar, so he's challenging that too. But still, they could have gone forward with the process and left it on Downey to have to fight it. Because as Montigny points out, my legislation signed into law last year required the transfer of this campus to the Commonwealth for $1. The university and DCAM failed to fulfill its legal obligations and moral obligation to the students and taxpayers who keep the university afloat. What does this mean? What does this mean in the bigger picture. I mean, we talked about this earlier this week. I know other hosts have had different opinions about what the Star Store means to downtown New Bedford. Listen, I love UMass Dartmouth. I'm an alumni, alumnus. I want to see arts in the city thrive. I want, and I think that they are. I want to see new students coming in and learning about the arts Although I'm looking at the reality of the situation. The arts that they are teaching in the Star Store are getting less and less enrollment. They may not need a specialized campus for that anymore. They didn't have one when I was at UMass Dartmouth. And the digital arts, which is where a lot of people are, are going these days, they don't need that kind of space. So that need for that building has kind of technologically advanced out, you know, and, and that's going to happen. I, I understand the process to keep a historic building going, but I think at the same time, the purpose that you're using it for is different. Now, you that doesn't mean you couldn't totally revamp what you're using it for and still keep it within the UMass system. Have a downtown campus for different types of classes. Have adult education there for, for people who don't feel comfortable being, you know, 60 years old and going back to school with college students. Those were always the people I made friends with when I was in college. Wasn't really a big fan of the kids my own age. But have other uses for it, but within the UMass system, if that's the case. Or I think, you know, what uh, Representative Markey had suggested a mixed-use approach to that building would be more beneficial to downtown than the CVPA is right now. Not belittling what it did for the revitalization of downtown, but I just don't think that it's the same with 116 students as if you had, you know, three times that living and working in that building every day. The other part of it is, what does this say about UMass as a whole, that they had this golden opportunity 
and decided to walk away from it. And and not only an opportunity, but as Senator Montigny said, a responsibility. I thought at first that Chancellor Fuller was being a little bit too coy in his email to students and staff on Monday. That it was a UMass decision and he was trying to gloss over that it was a UMass decision and blame it on the state budget. But after reading Jack Blaine's piece and looking at this more and seeing Senator Montigny's reaction, I think he's just caught up in this. I think this decision came from above and he has to spin it. And so by mentioning the state budget, that was a way to kind of deflect a bit and to say, you know, the sky isn't falling here at the University of Massachusetts. But, I mean, he talked about how they've had problems with declining enrollment, but that things seem to be on an upswing, but it's not where it needs to be. I think that's putting it mildly. If what's going on is true, if, if basically the guy in charge of UMass is slowly dismantling UMass, and I don't mean the chancellor, I mean the president, the guy at the top of the whole system. And I don't know if this letter and whatever discussion may happen between Governor Healy and Senator Montigny and others, if that causes her to take a look at the person that's in charge of UMass to say, okay, maybe we ask Marty Meehan to step down. I mean, it's, it's not a position that has been without controversy. My first day at UMass Dartmouth was the first day that William Bulger was the president of the UMass system, and he was on campus that day introducing himself to everybody. And, and I got to meet him and speak with him for a few moments. So it's, it's, it's been a place of controversy. It's been a position of controversy for quite some time. But now here we see what is basically mismanagement. To say you not only had this opportunity to buy this building for a dollar, you had a responsibility, an obligation under law that was passed last year to purchase it for a dollar. But also while it was, you know, in your, when it was in your care, when you were actually leasing it, you had to maintain it and secure it and you didn't do so. So, again, this is a story that I, I know people are hearing us talk about this and say, well, really, what's the big deal? You said it yourself, Tim, 116 students. But it's really the stuff that's happening around this, the stuff that's causing it to happen, that has to be of greater concern. 508-996-0500. That's the number to call in and get involved in the discussion if you would want to. Uh, we also have the opportunity for you to send in messages via the app chat option. Uh, another possibility, too, is that you can send open line voicemails on the WBSM app, and then we can play those on the air. Just do me a favor and keep them clean and something we can put on the radio. And also on the app and on the website today, don't forget we're giving away tickets to see Sam Hunt next Saturday, August 26th at the MGM Music Hall at Fenway in Boston. And we will give away another pair today. All you have to do to enter is just go to WBSM.com or the WBSM app. Click on Sam Hunt and, uh, and then enter in your information. And that's going to put you in the drawing to win. The computer will randomly select some winners later on today. So I, I, I don't know. 
this this story, the more we find out about it, the worse it gets. So we can talk more about that. We can also discuss the announcement that came down last night. Not really a surprise that former Bristol County Sheriff Tom Hodgson has been named as the chairman of the Trump campaign here in Massachusetts. That he had that position in, well, he was named in 2019 for the 2020 campaign. And, and it's, it, it is a bit of an honorary title. I, I mean, I, I haven't talked to, to Tom to find out exactly what his responsibilities are in that role. But it's referred to as an honorary chairmanship. I also know Tom Hodgson kind of kind of well. I would think you know we we haven't spent a lot of time together personally, but we've we've worked here together at the station, and I've obviously followed him when I was a, a, a reporter and an anchor, and so I would I would feel safe in saying even if it's an honorary chairmanship, I don't think that Tom Hodgson has it in him to not work very very hard at that position. To work very, very hard on behalf of Donald Trump in Massachusetts. He's not just going to sit back and have that be a, no pun intended, badge of honor. He's going to be doing the work. And now, in his, I, I, I guess, retirement, I don't really want to call it retirement because he hasn't come out and said, hey, I'm just kicking back now. I'm not doing anything. But in his retirement from public office, or at least from, from the sheriff's role after being voted out last year he's going to have even more time to dedicate to that so it's a smart move for the Trump campaign to pick a guy who worked hard for you when he had a full time job at the same time to then go back and say hey would you like to do that again knowing that he has more time now and he he did a really good job I mean I'm, I'm obviously people that listen to the show know that I, I didn't want Donald Trump to win the presidency, and I, I don't again. But Tom Hodgson did a really good job of galvanizing the Trump support in Massachusetts, but especially here in Bristol County. And as you know, you know, Jess Machado was involved in that, uh, organizing some of the standouts and all those things, uh, all those different events that happened. And so they were instrumental in... Trump's success in this region, which, again, overall, did he win the South Coast? Did he win Bristol County? No, but he did very well in a lot of these towns. So it's a smart move for them. It's a great honor for Tom Hodgson to, to serve in that role again, and it will certainly make for some interesting discussion. As you know, he'll be here on WBSM now that he's back from his summer break. You know, you heard him the other day here with uh, with Chris and Marcus, and he'll be on with a lot of folks. I'm sure he'll be popping on with Jess and popping on with Barry. And he's a great evangelizer of Trump's message. And in a way, you know, these these people who are in charge of these state campaigns, they may have to be the voice for Donald Trump for a lot of this because he's going to be tied up with some other things. So he's going to have to be 
that representative for him here in the Bay State. All right, 508-996-0500. Going to take a break and be back in a few moments. And we are back in. Uh, in just a few moments, we are going to be going into the news with Adam Bass. But uh, on the other side of that, we can talk more about the... Uh, first of all, we can talk more about the UMass Star Story situation. We can talk more about the... Uh, chairmanship of Tom Hodgson for the Trump campaign in Massachusetts. Again, no surprise, uh, but it'll be interesting to see how much more he can do in that role this time around. And also we can talk about the, I, I want to get into, because we haven't talked about it a lot, you and I, I know there's been a lot of talk about it on the station, but about that nip bottle ban, because now the city council getting involved saying, you know, we want the licensing board to rescind this. And now the board has that authority to do that, they don't have to listen to the city council. It's not enforceable for the city council to say we want this to happen and now you have to do it. So it's, it, we'll see because the licensing board in this situation, a lot of people look at it as uh, just the arm of Mayor Mitchell in this regard because he's the one that wants this nip bottle ban. So this could turn into a bit of the council versus the administration as it goes along. At the very least, they're asking for more time for liquor store owners to be able to utilize their stock. I wouldn't worry too much about it. If you said that uh, we're going to stop liquor uh, nip bottle bans on October 1st, I'm sure that the people of the city would go out and grab as many of those as they could between now and then and just kind of hoard them, which is also not good either. But anyway, let's go now into the newsroom with Adam Bass. Former President Trump says an upcoming news conference that would, quote, exonerate him of election fraud is no longer happening. Trump posted on Truth Social Thursday that on advice of his lawyers, he's canceling next week's news conference in New Jersey and will now release the report in formal legal filings. Trump claimed the report would exonerate him from his recent indictment in Georgia for allegedly trying to overturn the 2020 election in the state. The emergency official in Maui, Hawaii, who didn't sound the warning sirens during the Lahaina wildfire, has resigned. Officials say Thursday that Herman Andaya cited health reasons for stepping down effective immediately. His resignation comes one day after he defended his decision not to activate the sirens. Andaya says that he feared coastal residents fearing a tsunami would have fled inland towards the flames. Hurricane Hillary, southwest of Mexico, is now at a Category 4 strength with winds of 140 miles per hour. The storm is expected to hit before it hits Southern California and southwest this weekend, but is still expected to bring heavy rain and flooding to the region. Forecasters say Hillary will make landfall in the U.S. Sunday night or early Monday. Cincinnati Bengals running back Joe Mixon has been found not guilty of aggravated menacing. Matt Reese says the trial came after an incident in February when Mixon was accused of pointing a gun at a woman during a road rage incident. In closing arguments, Mixon's lawyer said the story from the accuser is not believable. Not only is there reasonable doubt in this case, but the doubt is overwhelming. In this case, Scott Croswell says no proof that the Bengals running back had a gun that day in January. This is prosecutor Tim Horsley. She asked for none of what happened that day. She was simply on her way to work when she was vehicles almost hit twice and then threatened with a gun. Judge Gwen Bender's verdict, not guilty. I cannot say that the city sustained its burden, not guilty. I'm Matt Reese. 
A federal judge in Delaware has formally dismissed misdemeanor tax charges against Hunter Biden. The decision was expected after a plea agreement failed to be reached between federal prosecutors and Biden last month. Special counsel David Weiss requested the charges be dismissed in order to potentially bring more charges. Biden is expected to face the same charges or new ones in the future. And the remains of a young medieval girl have been found seemingly buried face down with her ankles tied together. The Museum of London Archaeology says a corpse of a 15-year-old in that position suggests those who buried her were taking steps to make sure she, quote, could not return from the grave. The museum said in a news release that early medieval England didn't have specific burial traditions. Bodies were typically buried face up. It seems that her being buried face down is a sign of her being treated as a, quote, other, as someone who may have had low low social status looked or acted differently or had a violent death. In sports, the Boston Red Sox fell to the Washington Nationals last night 10-7, ending their three-game series with one win and two losses. The Sox head to New York and will face off against the Yankees tonight at 7.05 p.m. Meanwhile, in football, the Patriots have their second preseason game tomorrow at 8 p.m. against the Green Bay Packers. And now here is your ABC6 local weather forecast. Well, the second round of heavy thunderstorms will be out of here by mid-afternoon. And at that point, we'll clear up and we may even catch some sunshine before the sun goes down. We're reaching a high near 79 degrees. Overnight tonight, 60 degrees and clear. And for Saturday, a lot of sunshine and comfortable temperatures high near 80 degrees. From the ABC6 Weather Center. I'm meteorologist Skylar Spindler on New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. Right now it is 71 degrees in New Bedford. I'm Adam Bass, WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's News Talk Station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts and podcasts with the WBSM app. time to sit around and wait on the phone while you're getting up and getting ready? Send Tim a text using app chat on the WBSM app. Now, back to the Tim Weisberg Show. Back in 508-996-0500. Let's go to the phones. Good morning. You were on WBSM. What's shaking, Playboy? Hey, Lamone. How you doing? Uh, I'm living. Um, so uh, tomorrow night, I'm going. Well, go, well, tonight, I'm going to go see George Benson in concert. Nice. And and I just got I got passes tonight to go see uh, Big Sean. You know, mm-hmm. on Saturday night. But I'm thinking, I, I'm thinking I might just go ahead and give those passes to someone else, and I'm going to probably go, go see Peter Frampton or either Blackpink, one of those two. Probably Peter Frampton in concert again. So I'd like to see him again. So what I'm going to tell you, I've found tickets for uh, December 13th and December 15th, three seventy-five plus seventy-five service charge. Oof, that's a lot of money. Yeah, I know. It's I, I, if anybody to pay to see that kind of to pay that kind of money to see anybody perform, you know, why not you too? Yeah, I mean, I, I again, I've I've seen them ten times in concert, and I think the most I've ever paid for a ticket was one hundred twenty bucks. Maybe maybe that I don't even know if it's been over a hundred bucks. 
Yeah, I mean, that's but it's that it's the dome. That's what that's what it is. Yeah, I think, and because they're limited engagements and everything, I know that when I first went uh, in 1997 for the Pop Mart tour, I um I bought tickets and well in advance. I bought them the day they came out, and then the day of the show. I called in to the old Ticketmaster phone number and I got some of the, the seats right down front that had opened up that morning because they didn't need them. And so I took the seats that I had for like the back row and sold them to some of my friends. But then I kind of, that kind of became the thing that I would do is every time I had tickets for something, if I had a little bit of extra money on the day of the show, I would just call and see if there was anything better available. That would be a good thing to do. Yeah, that might. I, I that. mean, I don't know if that'll work in, in that dome because they've, they, they know because every show is going to be the same. They know what seats they're going to have available and what they don't. Well, I know that all the other, uh, all the other dates that are, they're here for it is all sold out. Those are the only two dates that they have that there was any amount of tickets left. Everything is sold out. And so that's what I'm saying, you know, hell's bells. Well, let's, and, let's see how good my October goes with all my uh, library presentations and all the events that I do. And, you know, who knows, maybe, maybe you'll see me out there in December for that. Well, you know what? If anybody that deserves it, I know you love. I love your. I know you love your town where you where you live. I know you love the people there. You know what? I'm I'm making I'm making a suggestion for all these all the listeners out there. I think that you ought to run for political office. Oh, nobody wants you, that. No, I would think that you have you have your 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 hand in in, in the stew. You know where it's going on ever all around, but yet you you're you you. You have you have love and respect for your community, and that's that's what. And you've been there all your life. What more can a lot of these other people running for political office say? Well, I've I got money. Ooh, that's that's a big thing. But still, the point of it is, is that money going to help the community? I, I appreciate so that, Lamone. But I've got too many skeletons in my closet. Literally, I have skeletons in my closet. I have one hanging in the wall of my office. I'm just too. I'm too weird for public office. But then that's what we need nowadays. A little bit of weird. You know, but then at least, you know, you're coming from, yeah, I, I know. I wouldn't run for political office either if, if you asked me. Well, if you asked me, I would give it some thought, but I don't think so. You know, possibly not. But um, I'm, one other thing, I think you ought to try to get in touch with Linda Bolton Howard because she's not doing good. Oh, no. And maybe this might not, you know, if you can get her on the show before, before long, maybe before the end of the year, that would be a big boom for you guys. Yeah, I can. I know Moniz and her talk off, and I can. I can ask him if he can, you know, secure a date with her. The last time I spoke with her, it was just supposed to be like a, and it was a while ago, pre-pandemic. It was just supposed to be like a fifteen-minute conversation. We were on the phone for almost two hours. That's Linda, and it should give you that time. Yeah, you know, and it's like, and and if you can get that, it, like I said, if you can get that, that would be wonderful. It's like if I had my thing going, I'd have them there myself. But I think that you you could do you a lot better. You've got a lot of other people out there that are listening in that frame of mind. And like I said, and everybody needs to know the truth. And if I can Not get her on now because of the position I'm in now, I don't have to ask permission to say, hey, we're having a really good discussion with Linda Moulton Howe. Can I go an extra hour? Now I can just decide to do it myself. So, Yes, and you might even take second call from me then. Hey, uh, if, there's a, there. if there's a third hour, maybe we will. Hell's bells, that, that's good with me. All right, so, Lone, um, I got to I got to take a break here. I to give give everybody my love. We'll Did you, do. Have you talked to Matt? Did you talk to him yet? No, I'll, I'll probably text. I usually text with him Friday, Saturday. You know, he's busy during the week. I'm busy during the week, so we usually catch up on the weekend. So you're saying there's not going to be any shows between now and uh, 
October. Well, this week we there, this week I have an event, and there's football on the radio, Patriots football. Next week, um, next week is Michigan. I'll be in Michigan at the Michigan Paracon. The week after that, I have to be in a wedding out in uh, uh, Western Massachusetts, and so, then so that Kayla and them test of you. No, 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 this is, this is my friend, my friend, Nick, my friend, Nick, who, uh, who I used to work with at the standard times. And then I have the ocean state Paracon the week after that. And then I think Terracon is the week after that. And then, you know, we're in October. And so who knows what will happen in October right now. All that I've booked on Saturdays in October are library lectures in the morning or the afternoon. So we could still have a show, but I don't know what'll come down the pike for being able to do, you know, ghost hunt events. So we'll see. And look at, Look at that. He's giving out to the kids, the library. The, what more could the community ask for? You guys you guys got a man right there that's, you know, everybody's got something in their closet. But most of, most of them, you know, don't, 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 aren't gagged and stuff. So my my campaign slogan, vote Weisberg if you're weird. Oh, that would be, or, 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 if you're, or if you're not quite as weird yet, you might need to, you might need to find out. But, you know, because Weisberg is what took, took down the Titanic, wasn't it? No one was icebergs, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. I'm going to hold you there to take the break. Both of you are awfully cool. Hey. Oh, hey. nice. Well done. <laughs> All right. You, God bless you, playboy. Take care, LeBone. everybody. Have a good weekend out there in your, up in your neck of the woods. All your listeners. Play on, player. All right. Uh, that is uh, LeBone in Las Vegas. Uh, quite the character. All right. I uh, got to take a break. We'll be back in a few moments. I find her simply irresistible because she went to WBSM.com, clicked on the shop button, and bought herself a WBSM t-shirt. Now I see her walking around in that. She's simply irresistible. Anyway, uh, we got an app chat message from Not Bad in Oak Bluffs who says, Good morning, Tim. Let's remind the listeners why the UMass Dartmouth Arts Department grew in the first place. In 1988, the Swain School of Design merged with the then Southeastern Massachusetts University's College of Visual and Performing Arts and is now part of the University of Massachusetts Dartmouth. Yes. Historically, it was an art school that um, was absorbed into the UMass system. And in that time period, it was a very successful art school. But those days are not the same anymore. Uh, there just aren't as many people studying the physical arts as there were. And everything has moved to digital. The, the money to be made, the career to be made, is in digital art. And I think also the younger generation has grown up with digital art, so it's the medium that they feel comfortable in with their expressing their creativity. So it's it's thankfully somewhere where you you can be an artist and not be, you know, and and have a fruitful career, as opposed to the you know the starving artist trope that people push. Oh, you're studying art, great. 
Good luck being hungry the rest of your life. And of course, we know that that isn't true, but that's the perception that people have. And, and with digital art, uh, they can both be creative and successful at the same time. One thing I want to bring up is, you know, we've been following that Lizzie Borden story, the Miss Lizzie's Coffee. We had the owner, Joe Pereira, on yesterday, and he was on Fun 107, and there's been news reports. Uh, a couple of things. One, Lance Zoll, the owner of the Lizzie Borden house, uh, through his company, U.S. Ghost Adventures, which this thought popped into my head yesterday. The irony of someone saying that somebody's using his intellectual property to benefit themselves when he called his business U.S. Ghost Adventures. And you can't tell me that that wasn't designed for people to think that it's connected to the Ghost Adventures television show. So anyway, all those comments that he was making under a fake account uh, across all of these posts about this issue, they've all been deleted. He never put a formal statement about it on the Lizzie Borden house page. So my guess is that maybe a lawyer is involved now and said, hey, you know what? Take those posts down. They don't help you, your cause any here. Or maybe he just realized he was just getting slammed. Nobody was on his side. And all he was doing was, was turning people against the house and the good people that work there. So that happened. But also, one of the comments that I kept seeing pop up on those posts, because I'm looking at, you know, Channel 10's story about it, Channel 6's story about it, the Phone 107 story about it. I'm looking at these, and mm, I see this comment all the time in stories like this, where it's not necessarily hard news. Some person, some internet edgelord has to come in and say, Oh, slow news day? On a post that has six, seven, eight hundred comments on it. Listen, people, let me just make a suggestion. Leave what the news is to the people that know what the news is, okay? You can choose to read it or not read it. It doesn't impact me if you decide to move on and not, not read it or engage with it. There are plenty of other people who will. But to say slow news day on a comment that is the talk of the region uh, on a story that's the talk of the region and is getting lit up with comments and shares and engagement, which is what that is. It's engage It's people engaging with the story because they care about it. It's how we decide to talk about the things that we talk about. You know, if we don't get phone calls about something, are we going to keep talking about it? I mean, in some cases, because we want to try to get you to call in, we know that you have something to say, but for the most part, you always gauge your audience and what it is that you want to bring to them. That's how the media works these days. It's not about us telling you what you should know. It's a mixture of telling you what you need to know with what we know that you want to know. And so it's not a slow news day if that story is getting the kind of reaction that it's getting. So, yeah, you know, you might look really cool to yourself when you go and read that comment and you say, huh, I showed them. <laughs> but in actuality, just make yourself look out of touch because here are hundreds and hundreds of people engaged with a story that, that you are saying isn't worth their time. Just don't read it and move on. 
Nobody cares about your stupid internet opinion. 508-996-0500. Take a break and be back in a few. Jim. All right, that's going to do it for this hour. Caller, I see you all there. You can either hang on until right after the news. We'll take you first, or you can call back if that works better for you. Uh, but we are up against it here with Jess.